Hey Husker fans, welcome to another episode of the Husker Big Red Podcast with Chris Peterson and Danny Gillette. As always, go Big Red. Hey folks, welcome back to the Husker Big Red YouTube channel. I'm Chris Peterson and this is Danny Gillette of HuskerBigRed.com and we're coming at you here on a Monday. There's lots of, uh, you know, recruiting news, lots of things going on with uh, Nebraska football and uh, the baseball team got a big win this weekend, a big sweep. So uh, we'll just kind of get into it. But uh, Danny, how are you doing on this Monday morning? I'm doing good, a little tired, but I like the warm weather. So I uh, like the warm weather out here in Massachusetts, hate Mondays. So it all works out. Uh, yeah, and it's it was an interesting weekend, I guess, for Nebraska. Not a ton of things going on, but there's been a few things happening since, you know, we kind of, uh, you know, did our last show. Um, you know, one kind of topic, I guess, that we should touch on, um, a couple of walk-ons were put on scholarship, you know, this past week. Uh, John Bullock, uh, Nate Borkiger, um, both of those guys. Everybody was concerned about, you know, the scholarship limit, but Matt Rule, you know, those two guys earned it and he didn't, you know, kind of uh, flinch, you know, on making that decision. So what were your thoughts on, you know, putting those guys, you know, on scholarship despite, you know, Nebraska kind of being up against it with the 85 man limit? Whether or not you agree with, you know, their contributions in terms of did they deserve it? I mean, quite honestly, they were two of the harder working players on the team last year. I remember Borkutcher kind of being thrown into the mix of tight end a little bit, especially after uh, Voklik went down due to injury. And, you know, he played well. I mean, sure, we got we got on him a little bit because he, he dropped some passes. But there's no doubt that those two work extremely hard. And, you know, while we're up against the scholarship limit, I do believe it sets a good precedent if you reward kids who are working hard within the program and, you know, give them an opportunity to get a scholarship. So, you know, I think... I think it was a good move because those are the types of players that even if you don't want that, even if, you know, they're not going to be all Americans or whatever, you want to have good character guys on your team, you know, have them in the program and set a good precedent and reward them for their hard work, no matter what you feel about their contributions. I think, yeah, it was a good move too, because he's coach rules trying to, you know, build up, this walk-on program, um, they added a you know a few walk-ons this week. Um, you know we've written about that a little bit at huskerbigred.com. They got a former um, walk-on um, Barrett Liebentritt. Hopefully that's pronounced right. But that, that's um, how I would pronounce it. Yeah. You know he walked on at uh, Notre Dame um, and you know is a kind of a tight end, but he's going to play fullback at Nebraska. And this is another move that I think is just really smart by Matt Rule. Um, this is the guy that's not going to be taking up a scholarship as far as I know. But last year he played, you know, in 12 games for the Fighting Irish. He, um, you know, he played on all the, he played on their kickoff team. So it's not like this guy was just, you know, sitting there not playing at all. Um, so the fact that he's going to come to Nebraska, he can help on special teams. You know, tight ends, fullbacks play a lot in those positions now, um, you know, with their ability to block. And add another guy that can potentially, you know, play fullback, which is, he, you know, Coach Rules added a few of those different guys, you know, um, via the walk-on route. And, and this is another one. And, but it also, I think, shows those players, too, that are coming here as a walk-out or walk-on, excuse me, if you, if you earn it, if you put in the, you know, the work and you show that you can produce on the field, you're going to be rewarded with the scholarship. And, and I think it's the right thing to do. And the other part of it is the players. You know, um, Matt Rule talked about MJ Sherman was one of the guys who said, you know, John Bullock needs a scholarship or needs to be on scholarship that was kind of, you know, fighting for him. And I think that that 
you know, those guys know who the best players mm. are. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like you can't, you can't lie to the players about who that's like, you know, I, re- I remember when people talk about like quarterback controversies, like the players know who should start, you know, most of the time. Yep. And so it's like, the players are going to see that Matt rule rewarded those guys for their work. And it's also going to come down to the fact too, you know, Hey, if I'm a number, if I'm number two on the death chart, if I work my way up and show that I'm a number one coach rule is going to reward me. So this goes beyond just the whole walk on scholarship thing. It's a message to the whole team that, you know, this is an accountability thing. And, and if you do your part and you make contributions, you're going to get rewarded with playing time. So I love that move that the, the moves to put those guys on scholarship. And I really like this fullback edition from Notre Dame. So couple of good moves there by coach rule in my opinion and you know what this lines up well with what marcus satterfeld said in the spring he wants a physical offense he's made it clear that he wants the offense to be physical and that they're going to run the football well you know what the fullback gives you both the physical component and the running component so it definitely makes sense that they're addressing the fullback position um i think the fullback is going to be a big part of this offense and you know it's great to see one on scholarship and you know, I would love to, you know, get back down to the gritty, dirty area, physical, smashing type of fullback football that, you know, a lot of the Big Ten still uses. I mean, look at Northwestern. I mean, they use their rushing attack and things like that. So, I, I mean, all these fullback additions and the interest in the fullback, I don't think it's a haphazard, you know, kind of strategy to appease the fans. There is something to it. For sure, it's. It's interesting because they're not trying to necessarily devote, you know, the scholarships to it, but it is a position I think that they are going to utilize. And it, it is good to have, you know, a lead blocker in, in some of those short yardage situations. So it's a it's a position that's not really valued as much anymore, but I, I'm happy to see the coaching staff use it. And like I said, I mean, on the recruiting trail, I think it's you're going to see more of the uh, tight ends, you know, that they're going to be kind of converted into, you know, H-back types. But uh, this this will be an interesting move and, and a guy that, you know, can help, uh, you know, Ed Foley, too, in terms of the special teams, potentially. So, um, you know, I like it in terms of that um, part of it as well. And then I guess on the recruiting trail, you know, there's been a lot of talk about Dylan Rayola and Carter Nelson. And, um, you know, Carter Nelson, if you, you didn't see last week, he's got, you know, a couple of vis- official visits set up right now to Georgia and Notre Dame. Um, Georgia, I believe he's going June 2nd, which is the same weekend that Dylan Rayola is supposed to take his visit. Um, I know Dylan Rayola, there's a there's a big weekend coming up, I think, this weekend for Georgia for unofficial visits. And there's some talk that he could, you know, make it down there for that. I know his brother, you mentioned it, tweeted the bulldog emoji or whatever. I mean, at this point, I, I really don't see things changing with Dylan Rayola. But what do you think about the visits schedule, I guess, for Carter Nelson and the fact that Nebraska at this point isn't on the visit list? They still could be. He's been there like seven times, but still. Uh, you know, it's hard for me to get a gauge on what this all really means because, like you said, he's been there seven times. I mean, I would like I would, you know, like him to, you know, visit Nebraska maybe one more time. But look, I've come to the realization that when it comes to this, you know, elite prospects and I'll repeat this until I'm blue in the face. I've said it. I've said it last week. I've said it in group chats. I've said, you know, it all the time. The odds of us landing a top prospect right now with nothing to go off of as far as this current regime, you know, is concerned. We shouldn't be expecting to land these top recruits. Do we want to land them? Absolutely. Do we have anything to show that, okay, Carter, this is a good offense for you. We're going to use the tight end. Okay, Dylan, we're going to pass the football. This is going to be a quarterback-friendly offense. No, 
Nobody knows what the heck is going on right now in terms of offensive style and how it translates to the field. So to ask these, you know, kids to, you know, come in and try to come in and be a part of the program, you know, it's kind of, it's kind of, you know, shooting fish in a barrel. And I think it's a lot to kind of, yes, they could come in and be program changers, but as for now, you know, I don't blame them at all if they want to go, you know, somewhere more reputable right now. I really don't because, you know, maybe if we get a couple 10 win seasons under our belt, things will change. But, you know, as we've said before, winning cures everything and, you know, a good, a good product on the field, you know, cures everything. And so as much as I want to get, you know, upset or whatever that Carter, you know, is not visiting or Dylan's not visiting or any of these guys aren't visiting, I can't blame them at all. I really can't. We got to, you know, show the results on the field first, I think, before any, you know, big-time prospects want to come to the program. And the fact that we've recruited as well as we have without anything, you know, on the field yet says a lot about this coaching staff. The wins will have to come in order for this program to, you know, get those big-time recruits. Yeah, it, you know, it does make it difficult, and that that is going to make, you know, what happened more. And the thing with Georgia, too, I mean, looking at it with Carter Nelson, is that Georgia's missed on some big tight ends here recently. Um, they did have – they had the number one tight end in the 2024 class. Landon Thomas was committed. He just flipped to Florida State. The number one tight end in 2023, Deuce Robinson, who was like a Georgia lean for literally months, um, he went to USC. Walker Lyons went to USC at the end of the 2023 class. So Georgia's – basically missed on their last three guys they've targeted a tight end so i really think that's why they're at this point going to shift to carter nelson and really hone in on him because they and not that there's not other guys on the board i'm not saying that but they've already missed on some other players so i feel like they're really going to push for carter nelson and uh you know sean callahan reported this a long time ago but he talked about how he thought that carter nelson had you know an affinity for notre dame so the fact that they're showing up as an unofficial visit Tells me that they're a real contender too. Um, Penn State has kind of been thrown around them. I'm not. I'm not really that worried about Penn State as much. You know, maybe that's overlooking them. But I feel like Nebraska is still in the mix. I know they're planning their big visit weekend for June 23rd. You know, we'll see how that works out. Um, you know, it's kind of putting yourself back on the calendar, but at the same time, you know, you're also maybe trying to let Georgia and some of these other schools get their big visit weekends out of the way early, and maybe you can get some of those kids on campus later. But um, it, it'll be interesting to see how that strategy plays out and if they can get Dylan Rayola or Carter Nelson on campus that weekend because it, um, it there has been whispers or at least, you know, rumors of, you know, Dylan Rayola taking another visit to Nebraska. We'll see if that actually happens. I guess uh, I would say if it does, if he gets to, if, and that's June 23rd, if he gets to, if June, if Dylan Rayla gets to June 23rd and he's not committed and he did Nebraska, then I'll say Nebraska's, I'll, I'll feel better than I do right now because at this point in time, I don't see him still being uncommitted on June 23rd. I bet my guess right now, like if I had to go to Vegas and bet, is that he would be committed by then to Georgia. Well, well we kind of always said a June, July type of timeline, we thought, right? So that would make, sense and that would line up you know i think that uh visit weekend at the end of june i think you know there was a lot of talk about the april visit weekend and you know getting recruits on campus and you know or not no excuse me the uh march visit weekend and getting recruits on campus and you know things like that but i think you know we could see some commitments that june weekend maybe not big ones but you know i think you know recruits now are starting to kind of really see you know what this program 
is trying to you know create and be all about so i mean that's another big visit weekend and you know i think um i think this class as a whole i think it has some really really good kids but i'd like to see a couple more commitments um and I, I know we just lost out on teddy rezak who went to notre dame he was a heavy notre dame lean anyway but you know it's just it's just a guy that i would have liked to land and you know, I'd love to see another commitment here and, you know, a high caliber one at that. Yeah, the Teddy Rezac is pretty interesting, I think, because it's just it's strange for Notre Dame to, you know, offer somebody that's, you know, ranked as low as he is. You know, so obviously they saw something and it's just it's weird. To, I just feel like Nebraska um, messed up that recruitment in my, you know, in my honest opinion. I know that people might not want to say that or they would might say, you know, I've, I've read some people say, well, Nebraska just offered him just like an obligatory offer. Like, I don't, if you, if you didn't care about wanting about getting him, why would you offer him before he could, that just made you look stupid. I mean, that made you look like, Oh, you wanted to try to get in, but it was too late. So I don't really buy that. I think Nebraska offered him for a reason, but they offered him way too late. He was on campus. And uh, so I, I don't know. It's, it's, disappointing that Notre Dame would see something in that kid. Now, if he, if he goes and becomes a good player at Notre Dame, you're really going to be kicking yourself because if Nebraska had recruited him, you know, like hard at all, I think he would have been committed here already. So, you know, it, it is what it is, but I definitely think, you know, if, if they didn't, if they didn't evaluate him as a scholarship player or whatever, I don't understand offering him after Notre Dame did. So to me, I thought that that was, you know, kind of like a, almost like a panic type move, you know, maybe the, I, I'm not, I'm not really sure. What did you think about it? I thought it was a little strange. Cause we, you know, you wrote, or I think one of us wrote something it's early in the morning here, but we wrote, you know, Nebraska offered him. And then literally two hours later, he committed to Notre Dame. So, I mean, I thought it was kind of interesting just because it's almost like, um, you know, they kind of, in my opinion, it looks like they dropped the ball only because, you know, they offered him literally at the last second. And, you know, this was a guy who was, you know, building interest throughout his recruitment. You know, Notre Dame looked to really be in on him, but still a last second offer kind of, you know, says to me that maybe they didn't want him or maybe they just, you know, didn't, you know, follow up or follow through. So he would have been really good in the three, three, five, you know, type of defense an aggressive player, you know, a good rusher. So, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see what he does at Notre Dame. And I, uh, I, I wish he could have came here quite honestly. Yeah. It's just, yeah. It's interesting Cause it's not like Nebraska wasn't recruiting him. I mean, he was on campus earlier this spring. And so it's just, it's weird to, you know, I mean, with how much they want to recruit in state guys, I mean, this is obviously a guy that's, you know, legitimate, you know, at least for Notre Dame's interest. I mean, they've, they have one of the best recruiting classes in the country. So the fact that they, you know, are taking him, you know, tells you something because they have a lot of, you know, probably better options than Nebraska does right now. I mean, just looking at the way, I mean, Notre Dame's put together like four or five top 10 recruiting classes in a row. So it, that is interesting. And I, I do agree with you. I think that Nebraska dropped the ball on that one. Um, I think if they could go back in time, they probably would offer him, you know, in the, you know, when he visited in the spring, but it is what it is, you know, you have to just move on and, and then take it what it, what it's for. But I do think that they have made some positive inroads, obviously with, you know, Isaiah McMorris and, uh, you know, Dave on Hall, they're both visiting on that June 23rd weekend that we talked about. So I think that that is a really positive thing. 
Um, you know, I I believe for a fact when Matt Rule talked about, you know, Garrett McGuire and the the narrative, you know, on the recruiting trail, I think he had those two recruitments in mind. So the fact that, you know, they started kind of trending in another direction, I think that trend has stopped, you know, as far as like USC and Penn State for Davon Hall. I think Nebraska's right near the top of that list now. Garrett McGuire's really turned things around. And I feel like Nebraska at least is has a puncher's chance to win those recruitments right now. I want Hall so badly. He's been on my, you know, recruitment list since last year. And, you know, he would just be perfect for this offense, you know, another in-state kid. And, you know, I'm excited to see what McGuire does on the field and how that translates to the wide receiver unit. Because, you know, I listened to him talk during his press conference and, you know, he's really, really knowledgeable. Don't let his age fool you, I think. And I've said this before as well, but it's worth repeating. I think he's going to be one of the coaches that we're going to need to replace in a couple of years because he'll be off doing something a lot bigger at another school. And, you know, my thing is I would rather a coach get promoted and uh, go off and do bigger things at another school than, than get fired because we've seen a lot of that lately and it hasn't been pretty. But, um, no, I I am very encouraged by the inroads Nebraska has made. And, um, you know, I'll be interested to see. What happens on that weekend? I mean, it would be nice if, you know, a guy like McMorris committed that weekend, but we'll see. We'll see. And, you know, I like where the class stands overall, but I'd love to see a couple more additions. Then again, I understand it's kind of hard to do so when you don't know what the product on the field is going to be like yet or how it's going to look. So I think it's going to set up for an interesting fall in terms of recruiting as well. And it's interesting with those two guys because their quarterback is Daniel Kalen, who is probably somebody else that, you know, maybe looking back, you know, it's hard to say, oh, you shouldn't have recruited Dylan Rayola. But at the same time, if you had pushed for Daniel Kalen, I truly believe he'd be in Nebraska commit right now. If you pushed for Teddy Rezac, he'd be in Nebraska commit right now. And then if you had Daniel Kalen, I bet you you'd be in a better position for Davon Hall and Isaiah McMorris. So, you know, if you want to value in-state recruits you know you would kind of have to do that and if if you're an in-state player at nebraska i mean if you're daniel kalen you don't feel like you were valued uh teddy rezak doesn't feel like he's valued and these guys all communicate with each other you know it's not like it's not like they don't know each other so i mean i just think not i'm not saying that it's something to be concerned about or whatever but it would be nice to get a big commitment you know from an in-state kid uh mcmorris or or hall and uh, hopefully you know matt rule and company can make it happen because there have been some missteps i think in this 2024 class with in-state recruiting in general yeah and you know i think i think you know more in-state kids will come i I mean i'm predicting more more commitments in season but you know, I, I do think that although they're not landing in-state kids, you know, they, they are um, making inroads in other areas. Uh, Miami Palmetto athlete Ja'Cory Barney is set to visit on June 2nd, and he got a crystal ball prediction from Will Turboff of uh, Husker 24-7 last week. It's the same school that Willis McGahey, um, Willis McGahey the fourth committed, um, is from, who also committed to Nebraska, so... I mean, it's going to be interesting to see if they can land Barney and, you know, establish a Florida pipeline that can stick. That's my thing. You know, establishing a Florida pipeline. I mean, we, we kind of did that under Frost, but it didn't stick. So now we need those Florida guys to stick. Yeah, that would be another, um, you know, good commitment. There's some, obviously, a few, you know, guys out in California, um, you know, Breland uh, just put Nebraska in his top 10, Brandon Baker. Um, has been talking about taking visits. Nathaniel, I don't know, Nathaniel Thrasier, I haven't heard a lot of talk about him lately. So, I mean, 
We'll see if he comes at all in the next month. I get my thing with like Baker and Frazier and Breland. You have to get like those guys have to be on that June 23rd visit. Um, or I just don't think you have a shot to be honest. I mean, if that's your big visit weekend for official visits, then Baker, Frazier, and Breland have got to be there that weekend, or what's the point of even recruiting him? That's my opinion. Well, Frazier wants to come in season, so I could see him not coming in not coming for this visit weekend, but coming on another time, you know, in season. So I mean, I would like to have them there, don't get me wrong, but I think he will come back to campus uh at some point, meaning Frazier. And that would be good. I mean, uh, but I mean, because a lot of times, you know, that when you're going across country, three times is a good is a big number for that visit. So, I mean, I could see it, but I just don't I, I think you need to have them on campus at some point this summer. I don't think you can go from March until September and not get the kid on campus with a top 10 running back and all the other teams interested and still have a shot. So that's. That's my opinion. I, I just I don't think that Nebraska is going to have an opportunity with those guys unless they get them on campus this summer at some point. And on that June 23rd visit weekend, we also have um, Adam Kasai, who's an edge rusher from Palm Bay, Florida, American Heritage, which is a very good school down in Florida. Six foot seven, 230 pounds. Um, he's kind of trending to Rutgers right now. And then we also have Ernest Campbell, who's going to be on an official visit that weekend. He's a wide receiver from Texas, and um, he's pre- he's predicted by on three to go to TCU. However, TCU has a thirty-one percent, you know, prediction uh, rate. Well, Nebraska has a twenty-seven percent prediction rate, so that's interesting. That appears to be a close race, and you know, so there are other guys there as well that um, are worth looking out for and looking at. And so I'll be interested to see how that weekend shapes up overall, because I do think there's um, there's a good chance that we could have some commitments, you know, by the end of June. Yeah, I think there'll definitely be some some more commitments by the end of June. And, you know, there's still obviously July, you have chances for unofficial visits and stuff like that, too. So, I mean, even if it's. You know, there, there's just different windows for things, but, um, you know, it's important to try to get some of these guys, especially these California or these out-of-state guys, you know, on campus as many times as possible before they commit. But I do think that with this class, I mean, I, I think that you're going to see not a similar, uh, you know, kind of flurry to last year, but I think you're going to see more activity towards signing day than you're going to see like this. Like, I really just don't, I don't see Nebraska getting a ton of commitments like in June, July, and August. I think they will, but you know, it's like you have to look at the type of guys that are going to make those commitments, right? I mean, those that's the, you know, the three-star evaluations. It's not going to be the Dylan Rayola types. I mean, you can get some of those guys for sure, but um, I do think that the more of those early commitments are going to be, you know, some of those those three-star guys, which can be really good players. I'm not saying anything, but I just think it's more Nebraska's kind of identifying and taking a chance on some on more of those guys than you're going to see, you know, Nathaniel Frazier and Brandon Baker and these guys commit to Nebraska in June. That being said, if you can get them on campus, keep them engaged, get them back this fall, and you look at it in the fall, then you got a chance. I mean, Brandon Baker, I don't think is deciding until signing day. So, I mean, a lot of these guys, you have a long time to, you just have to keep yourself in it, especially with Nebraska, like you said, until they can show on the field, like, hey, this is what we got going on. And then I think more towards the end of the signing period, Kind of like this year, you're going to see Nebraska get in with some more guys. That's just how I kind of think it's going to play out. 
Well, you know, I was talking to uh, some people about recruiting in general, some recruiting expert type of people, and they say, you know, it's always important to get the last visit. So if Nebraska can get the last visit and, you know, kind of help seal the deal, I mean, I think that would be uh, very crucial come, you know, signing day and, you know, the early signing period. And, you know, for what it's worth, I think, you know, the um, the first week in June, June 2nd, they're going to get um, Peyton Morgan, Ja'Cory Barney, uh, Caleb Pyfram, and Kamari McClellan on campus. And, you know, Pyfram is trending towards uh, Nebraska, and so is Barney. So Pyfram is a guy that, you know, I'd be watching out for as well. I think he's a very good player. He would be another in-state um, kid. So, I mean, any offensive line help we can get is a good one. And I think Pyfram has a chance to be pretty good, you know, once he starts his collegiate career. Yeah, and he's somebody I would watch out for as uh, like a commitment in June, you know, with uh, – yeah. it seems like Matt Rule, you know – the there was talk about in-state recruiting not being so great and then boom they went out and got ashton murphy so i mean i feel like you know they'll they'll get a commitment here and that will kind of you know ease that you know the chat or whatever which i mean it's it is what it is and yeah some of it's probably made up by people like us or whatever but but perceptions reality too in recruiting so i mean that, that you can't just ignore that um so I didn't want to switch gears, you know, before we round up here to basketball. I think there's a couple of interesting things to talk about here. Um, first, you know, I know Nebraska was hosting um, Amelie Yaloho. I'm sorry, I probably totally butchered that name, but he's um, 2023 6'8 power forward, you know, can play the 3-2 um, from Finland and, uh, you know, visited Texas Tech yesterday. So, I mean, he's he's in the mix with a few different teams um, but I think it would be a great move for Nebraska um, if they could get him you know they need somebody who can kind of play those minutes he could take over kind of the Breidenbach you know role after he transferred out and uh, I think it would be a nice developmental piece going forward he's not ranked according to the 24 7 composite rankings he's ranked as a low three star you know and on three but you know it's I, I I don't know that that truly reflects you know his ability but I think it would be a nice piece to develop long term for Fred going forward and now that you've done so well in the transfer portal, if you're Fred, you can, you know, afford to, you know, develop long pieces and kind of let some things play out. And, you know, I think that would be a great pickup for Nebraska basketball. I mean, what did you say, six foot eight? I mean, yep. that's, that's – wasn't that the exact same height as Derek Walker, I think? Uh, yeah, he might be six nine, but – But, I mean, bit, yeah. we, we, we saw how valuable the power forward was to the offense last season. It wasn't just – you know, the, you know, flashy point guards like it had been in previous seasons under Fred Hoiberg. So, I mean, if we can land a developmental piece, you know, for the power forward position, you know, one that is essential to Big Ten basketball, then I'd feel pretty comfortable, um, you know, you know, grabbing him and landing him and allowing him to develop. That's the thing with, you know, building a good program is getting good, solid players that can play right away while also getting solid players that you can develop. So that way you can just keep the train moving, so to speak, in terms of production and trying to get, you know, the most out of the players that you can. And quite honestly, development isn't an area where Fred has, has you know, pe- you know, passed with flying colors, so to speak. But, you know, I think he um, showed a little bit last year with Lawrence and, you know, Sam Hoiberg even. So we'll see. um We'll see what we'll see what happens there, but overall, I've been pretty happy with this 
offseason for Nebraska basketball. Yeah, would, this would be a good take. Uh, you know, they've got two scholarships left, and I would like to see him add one transfer and then, you know, a 2023 kid who's got – you know, some long-term ability to be, you know, a future starter maybe at, because this, I feel like um, he could play the three, four role kind of like Juwan Gary does, you know, he shoots the three pretty well. Um, he can rebound. He's a decent defender. Um, so there, yeah, there's a lot to like there, but Texas tech and some other big programs are in the mix. So we'll see, you know, how that kind of winds up. Um, and then another thing I wanted to touch on is uh case. Tomonaga didn't, he didn't get invited to the NBA draft combine. He didn't get invited to the G league camp. You know, which is kind of the way you can play your you know way into the combine. So I really don't see him at this point not coming back to Nebraska. I mean, he there's just there's no there's no chance he's getting drafted. I mean, if he really wanted to go to the G League, he maybe would get signed, you know, for the G League or whatever. But to me, it just seems clear that you know his best path forward is at Nebraska. I do think that you know he can move himself into being you know a top one. But yeah, right now I don't even think he's a top 100 prospect in 2024 so or in this 2023 draft. So I would be stunned I guess at this point if Casey did not come back to Nebraska. Me too. And if he had a full season last year in terms of, you know, playing and you know starting, I think it might be a different story, but you had, you know, Tominaga to this roster with the transfers we've already had, you know, it's shaping up to be on paper a really good season for Nebraska basketball. And if Fred doesn't do anything this year, and I feel like we say this every time we talk about <laughs> Nebraska basketball, but if he, re- if Fred, you know, doesn't make any sort of postseason anything this year, then he's got to go. Yeah, they, that's true. I think they will. I think this team is going to win, you know, somewhere between 16 and 20 games, you know, 16, 17 games. Um, so I think they'll be you know, right there with a winning record. I don't know if it'll be good enough to get into the NCAA tournament, but I do like how this roster has come together. I would like to see maybe another combo guard, um, you know, just another kind of a wing player. But other than that, I mean, the roster's, you know, pretty much set. And, you know, C.J. Wilcher, I know a lot of people were looking at him leaving, but he's still going to be here. Jamarcus Lawrence, Hoiberg, you know, they only have the one true point guard, um, you know, in Ulyss. So we'll see how that works out but um, it wouldn't surprise me if they added another combo guard at some point just I think Jamarcus Lawrence could be that guy too you know to be the backup point guard but you know I just I, I like to, I like his two guard role but we'll see what happens and and I think Hoiberg could maybe play there a little bit too but you don't want to be in a situation where like Ulyss gets hurt and then you're like oh god who's going to play point guard now so I mean I would like in some way, but it's not easy. I mean, it's not easy because you do have other spots that you need to fill, but I feel like this team just, the starting lineup just kind of fits better. You know, you've got Ulyss at point guard, Kase at the two, and then, you know, depending how, how the health works out with everybody else, I mean, you could have Juwan Gary at the three, you could have Bryce Williams at the three, you know, you could have Bryce at the three, Gary at the four, and Rink Mast at the five, and then, um, you know, Alik and uh, Jamarcus Lawrence coming off the bench with Hoiberg and Wiltshire. I mean, yeah, so you've got you got a solid rotation. And then if a team wants to play big, you can play Mast and then Alik at power forward, Gary, and you could play Bryce Williams at the two, honestly, too. So, I mean, you could have a six, seven guy at the two and then, you know, a bunch of, so I, I just feel like there's a lot of different, you know, maneuvers Nebraska can make on a nightly basis. Yeah, I mean, and and you touched on something right there. As long as everybody stays healthy, I mean, I don't think yeah. there are too many times last season when Nebraska's original starting five played together. Yeah. So health is going to be crucial for next year, and you know, I do like all the combinations and the depth that you know these transfers offer, and 
I'll be curious to see what type of lineups they roll out. That's why I liked Bryce Williams too, because I, I feel like he gives you depth at you know two through four. I mean, I'm not saying you want him to play four a ton, but and just for I just feel like it takes a lot of pressure, especially early in the season, off to one Gary. You know, if he need yeah. because it's like yeah, he's injured, but that just because he can come back and play doesn't mean that he's going to be ready to play like 30 right. minutes a night. You know what I mean? <laughs> yep. So I, I feel good about that. And because that's how you get hurt. You know what I mean? You try to come back and play 33 minutes a night. And then all of a sudden 10 games in, you're done for the season. Yeah. So yeah, that's what we don't want to see happen. And, but yeah, I feel like there's depth on this roster. And if they could add, you know, another player or two, you know, you're looking at a lot of, you know, pretty solid players. I mean, the, the bark Tovic projections have Nebraska pretty high right now. And I think it's, it is postseason or bust for Fred Hoiberg one way or the other. Yeah. And you know, it's going to be interesting to see how they start the season. Cause you know, there were points last season where, you know, beating Creighton was obviously a huge victory and, you know, starting or, you know, beating, um, there was one other team they beat that, that they probably shouldn't have even been close. And, but anyway, um, you know, that early season start is going to be crucial. And then conference play is going to be, you know, important as well. And unfortunately last year, conference play is when all the injuries started to happen, you know, during that time frame. but they managed to, you know, pull themselves together nicely and, you know, make it exciting to watch basketball again. So I'm interested to see how this team fares, uh, next year. And, you know, I do think it's postseason or bust, and we'll see if you know Fred and Fred and the team are up for the challenge. Um, so before we transition to subscribe here, I did want to mention the baseball team because we were talking about you know Will Bolt doesn't make the Big Ten tournament. You know he should be fired. Well, Nebraska clinched their spot in the Big Ten tournament yesterday. They got a sweep this weekend over Penn State, and uh, Illinois lost yesterday. So Illinois is can't finish at 12 and or is going to finish up at 12 and 12 Nebraska can't finish worse than 13 and 11 so they are going to make the Big Ten tournament and actually um, right now they're they're sitting in a tie for fourth place a couple games out of actually first I mean I don't there's only three games left so I don't think they're going to move up that high but there's still a chance they could get into that top three four so we do think that's enough for Will Bolt to keep his job at least for one more year Maybe one more year, but I mean, the results haven't been, you know, throw a parade in Lincoln, you know what I mean? Like maybe one more year, but I mean, I think Will Bolt is also on borrowed time. It's kind of, it's kind of interesting how all these coaches, all these coaches in their, you know, time frames are, you know, from Frost to, you know, will Hoiberg get fired, will Bolt get fired? I mean, again, I do not envy the job that Trev has to do to, you know, clean up Bill Moose's mess, but. But then again, you know, if I mean the tournament's in Omaha, so I mean if Nebraska can just get in there and they got you know three more regular season games this weekend, um, you know, Michigan won the thing last year. It's not there's not a dominant team this year, so I mean it really is. So who, who's to say that you know in three weeks we're not sitting here talking about Nebraska in the you know NCAA tournament because they won the Big sure. Ten? That's that's the only way they're making it. They're not getting in a large berth. I don't honestly, I haven't followed it this closely, you know, because Nebraska hasn't been that great in Michigan either, but. I don't think that the Big Ten's probably getting in at large bid into this tournament because it's no. just, I mean, maybe t- sometimes they get two or three, but it's not a strong baseball conference being in the North. And I, this year it's really not good. I mean, Indiana's okay, but Nebraska could do it. I mean, I think they, they if the pitching can hold up because they've got the offense. So we'll see what happens. But uh, anyway, 
just wanted to bring that up and uh, make sure that you guys, you know, make sure to subscribe, um, you know, check out huskerbigred.com. We'll have a ton of content, you know, on uh, recruiting, basketball and everything, you know, for the Nebraska Cornhuskers. And we should be back with another episode potentially this week. Um, we'll let you know about that. And uh, as always, everybody, go Big Red. Go Big Red.